Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. All right. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here, your co-host for the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. I uh, once again have my amazing co-host, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome to the show. Hello. All right, everyone. I am super excited to introduce you to Rochelle Perez Ocampo. So Rochelle currently manages development fundraising special events and communications at a federally qualified health center in Chinatown, uh, Chinatown, New York, to be specific. She's also a producer and lead co-host of Makilala TV, which is the first Philam TV talk show in the New York metro area. Just so you know, it's basically the Filipino version of The View. Uh, she's also a board member of Roots of Health, which is based in Palawan, Philippines, where they provide free health services and education to women and families. It's also led her to co-create and produce Raise Panay, along with uh, Justine Fonte and I, I say JL, JL is the nickname for her, <laughs> which we're actually interviewing soon. So you'll hear more about JL in a little bit. And with Raise Panay, it is the Filipina version of Vagina Monologues, where they share their own stories as Filipinas and raise funds and awareness of the services for Roots of Health. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Yes, so honored to be here. I love, love, love that you're being able to, to use this platform to share Filipino American women's stories. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great experience so far. We started in 2016, but I went on a hiatus in 2018. And at the time, we actually were doing Facebook Live when we first started. But when we came back, it just made sense for me, at least, and, and my time and stuff to do podcasting because it's it just feels more natural. And I feel like when you're in front of a camera, I mean, you can you can tell us, but when you're in front of a camera, <laughs> uh, at least when you're doing Facebook Live, you're looking at yourself on the cameras, like you're looking at yourself as you're talking. So it just got a little weird. And I, I think podcasting, it just feels more comfortable for people to just, you know, talk and not worry about how they look, but just focus on the message that they're trying to give. And it's crazy because, you know, we just started about a month or so ago and we're already on, I think this is our 12th episode and we've already had over 600 total plays for all of our shows. Yeah. Yeah. And we have people listening in from all over the U S and we have little percentages from all over the world now. So it's just really awesome that although we relaunched this recently, uh, it's been gaining a lot of traction. And so, you know, I thank you for being on our show and helping us create this space because it, if it was just me, <laughs> it, it would just be me. And I don't think people just want to hear me talk. So, you know, when we have people like Nani join us and, and yourself, it, it really just uh, expands what we're doing. And hopefully in our stories and our discussions, it'll resonate with at least one person. And that's really what this is about is just normalizing our stories and our conversations so that a Filipina can listen in and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like I matter or cool. I can be anything I want to be, or Mm -hmm. I can, I can just be where I'm at and where I'm at in life is enough, you know? And I, I think the more stories and 
conversations we have around that, the quicker a lot of us will just be confident in who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> um, I want to start with asking you how you heard about the project and why you chose to be on our show today. Yeah. So I, I first heard it about uh, the Philippine American Women Project from Josephine Amos, who I feel like you have heard of, um, who mentioned that her sister created this platform. And I was like, oh, okay, let me check it out because I was also Facebook stalking Josephine to see <laughs> how legitimate she is. Oh. Because when she first, <laughs> yeah, when she first approached me to do and produce Race Panay, I was like, who is this person? You know, is she really serious? Uh, what's her ties to the community? And so when she mentioned that you were working on this project, I was like, yes, thank you. I mean, you really do surround yourself with the people that you that you want to be. And she mentioned your project. And I was like, this is incredible. I love it. So yes, I I am honored to be able to be a part of this this journey with you and with all the other Filipino American women who are who are listening in. Thanks, Rochelle. We're really happy to have you. And I'm glad that you had a chance to work with my sister or she had a chance to work with you, actually, which we'll get into a little more later, I'm sure. So, you know, this show is really dedicated to uh, individuals living in America or have lived in America who have Filipino descent and identify as female. And so would you care to share with us why you identify as a Filipino American woman? Well, I was born and raised in Long Island, New York. And if you know anything about Long Island, there's not many Filipinas or Filipino families that are there. When we first got there in the, I think, 80s, I was one of the only Filipinas in my school, in my town. There's only, I could count a handful of them. I wasn't really surrounded by the Filipino community. The time that I was actually involved in the Filipino community was in college at St. John's University. And that is where I was exposed more regularly to the Filipino community outside of my own family. Along with that, there's also Filipino basketball leagues that my family was also involved with. But really, it it was really being raised by my mother, Nellie, who is from Beagle, my dad, Ronnie, who's from Kesson City. They, They really instilled community in me, even though we weren't surrounded by Filipinos. Being raised in Livertown, Long Island was definitely different from going to school in Queens, which is basically the most diverse borough in the country. After college, I got involved with the community through uh, UNIPRO, which is Filipino American Unity for Progress, where Mm -hmm. we started in New York, and we have now scaled to multiple cities across the U.S. And from that developing into my professional development, it really opened my eyes to all the possibilities of being involved in the community. And I haven't stopped since. Mm. Um, So so ever since Unipro, I got more involved in different community organizations and leadership positions. I remember the day that I was approached to be a co-host and produce Makilala TV. It was back in 2013. And that was, you would say, the peak of my burnout year. Mm. When I was involved in way too many things and I had a very serious problem of saying no to things. Mm. So Makilala TV was just another yes on my plate. And I had the most major sense of imposter syndrome saying to myself, why me? Why would you choose me? I don't even like talking about my feelings in public, let alone my opinions about things. Why, why do you want me? 
Uh, at that time, the founder, uh, Christina Pastor, she wanted and she was looking for somebody who was younger in the community that was a leader in that, and that fit the bill. And I was available, semi-available at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that led me to Makilala TV, which is where we use as a platform to uplift and share voices of Filipinos in the community. And yeah, that was a turning point, Makilala TV. It really exposed me to not just the young college student type of groups, but also the titas and the titos who have been doing community organizing for decades. Mm. So it's great to be that middle person to understand and hear from their experiences. That's incredible. I'm just curious, is there a reason why, I know your parents met in New York, but did they have their reasons as to why they chose to go there? I know that a lot of Filipinos, at least in my experience, when they migrate to uh, the US, they typically end up settling in in California. You know, like, in fact, most of our stats of people listening in are from California. So I, I think it's it's really cool how you were kind of placed in, a, in an area where you weren't that exposed to the Filipino community. But yeah, I'm just curious to know if you know why your parents had chose to go to New York. There's not much choice. It's kind of really <laughs> where they were placed and mm. referred or dropped off, if you can say it is the right mm-hmm. right term. So it was first my mom who came in here. She was referred from somebody else who was living in Queens at the time. Then she ended up settling in a town on the border of Queens and Long Island. And my dad was apparently working in a Filipino store and they met and they started <laughs> dating. I asked my mom, like, how did you find out you were pregnant with me? And she said that she was on her way to the Philippines because her father or my grandpa just passed away. So she went to visit and it was in the Philippines where she was throwing up and just always sick. And Mm. her sisters were like half joking. It's like, Oh, you're pregnant. And she's like, no, no, I'm not. And then they finally took the test and she found out she was pregnant with me. And so she ended up coming back from the Philippines to New York to my dad pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. And I I became their flower girl at their wedding. So that, and also I didn't realize that it, that, that was not the correct way. Like I thought all girls were flower girls of their, their parents' weddings. I didn't realize (laughs) that you get pregnant after you, you went typically. So that was just always a fun story to learn. And it really is interesting, the different types of communities from comparing from the West Coast and East Coast. In relation to Filipino communities, I feel like that the West Coast totally has a head start in community organizing than the East Coast. And I love hearing how we can learn from what the West Coast people do. And there's so many transplants from Cali and the West Coast that come to here in New York. And it's funny how they all just congregate with each other. <laughs> Yeah. And they all just end up knowing each other, which is, it's cool. But yeah, definitely West Coast has a head start. Oh, well, that's, um, that's really nice of you to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can see that because 
there's a lot of places in California that have like historical marks like for Filipinos. When I lived in San Diego, in downtown, they had this Filipino library. And it was only open at certain hours. For years, I would try to get into it. And every time I'd show up, it was locked. Like I didn't even know what the ah. hours were. Yeah. The only time I finally got access to it was I had received an award for something. And ah. they were like presenting it there. So I remember when I showed up, I was like, ooh, like this is the, this is what's behind the door. <laughs> And it was awesome because it, there was so many things there, like there was books and artifacts uh, and just all these items and, and stuff about like Filipino culture and stuff from the Philippines. So I was like, oh, cool. I found this, this awesome gem. But also in just two hours away, you have historic Filipino town where every year they would have the justice for Filipino American veterans march, or the JFAB march for short. And yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of uh, movements over there in, in California and the West Coast. So I, I can see that when I came out here, I was actually very curious to know what the Filipino community was like. And I'm really grateful to, you know, my sister, because with what you're doing with Raise Panay, I was like, oh, there's a community out here. And it's not just a community that's existing, but they're doing stuff like they're giving back to the community and they're really uplifting our voices and highlighting us. So, so I feel like the people I do find out here that are Filipino, like they're strong advocates for our community. So uh, you being one of them, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that you say that because I haven't gotten too involved in little things here and there here on the West Coast in the Filipino American community here. But most of the stuff that I see online, I feel like is from the East Coast. So I think it's funny that you Ooh. say that. And it's also a really cool way that we can use Instagram as a tool to connect those communities and play off of each other. Like how you said you guys get ideas from whoever you follow out here and, and I'm sure vice versa. So yeah, I think that's really, really cool. That's one thing that I have grown to love about our community because we're so spread out. The internet is one thing that we have in common. And I feel like that can keep us all connected and make the world feel just a little smaller. And it's just nice for me because, you know, being new in the East Coast myself, I've only lived here for a year. It's nice that I have that community in my back pocket that I can always go to just on Instagram and especially doing these kind of interviews. It just feels like you're all in my living room and <laughs> we're just having right, a fun yeah. conversation. <laughs> so I, I really love it. All right. So Rochelle, why don't we fast forward to life today? Uh, if people are getting acquainted with you for the first time, why don't you share with us, you know, maybe a snapshot of your, of your life and most importantly, what keeps you busy and excited nowadays? So for my day-to-day, -day, AKA what pays the bills, I do work at a community health center where I manage development and fundraising, special events, donor relations. And I love doing that because I get to practice my storytelling. I get to hear what excites other people to donate to an incredible mission, to an exciting organization that really provides impact to the community. So I, I love being able to translate my community work and my professional work into to my day-to-day -day that way. For Makilala, we tape and record once a month. In the summers, July and August, we are off so that we can have a little break. 
But once a month, we do tape in East Harlem at the studios where I really try to encourage other groups to also record and create shows for themselves because it is a free resource for people to utilize. I don't think people really understand the power and the value of that. So we do tape every month and it's all volunteer basis. My co-hosts, Jen Fuhr and Christina Pastor, commute from Jersey. I come from Manhattan and we all meet up once a month to interview all these incredible leaders, these innovators. We have performers that are part of the show and entertain us and wow us with their skills and talents. It's really an incredible and humbling experience to, to hear these stories about people's struggles, their challenges, and just live through their accomplishments. So I really am honored to be trusted and be afforded the opportunity to share their stories because the community has so much of it and I love being able to be a part of it. So that's Matilala TV. And then I also am involved with, like what you mentioned, Roots of Health. And through that, Raise Panay. And Raise Panay is really our baby between Justine and JL and I. We really cherish this platform to really curate these stories and empower women to share them because there's some really sensitive stories. There's some really powerful ones. The one that I shared was basically comic relief. And I've always wondered if anyone else went through it. And after I shared my story, I did get some people who said like, yeah, I, I heard that too, but I never did it myself. I was like, I want to know who else went through this process. Have you guys, this is like super TMI, but do you guys remember the first time that you had your first period? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So in your experience and from your parents and your grandparents, have they told you anything specific about what you should do on your first period? No, no, I I remember <laughs> exactly how it happened with my mom. So this was after I lost my dad. So like a couple years later, I didn't have like a very, you know, emotionally connected relationship with my mom. So mm -hmm. I remember when I first told her I was on my period, it was as if I was in trouble. So she <gasps> she had she had a pad ready for me. And it was funny because it was like, like you ever imagine like maybe someone giving you a handshake, but they don't let go for a while because they want to be sure that you understand what they're trying to say or something. So she was like trying to give me this pad, but before she could give it to me, she was all like, she, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she's all like, you're on your period now. And you know, you need to take care of your body. Like it was something very uh, like, demanding. Like, I think she was just, I think the period meant like pregnancy for her, you know, so she's like, you yeah. better, you know, take care yeah. and don't use, don't use tampons. They're bad for you. Just use pads mm. and only pads. So that was my first experience of when I started my period. I remember that conversation very well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. 
One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thephilamwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. That sounds traumatizing. Yeah, no, I didn't realize it was a Filipina thing. I didn't know what this was. But when I first got it, my mom was at work. So I had to call her. And the only people that were at home were the guys, like my uncle, Mm. my dad, my guy cousins, my brother. So like, I was alone. So I call her up. And after I go to the bathroom, and I'm like halfway in the middle of like trying to wash it. My mom's like, no, don't wash it. You're supposed to rub it on your face. I was like, <gasps> what are you talking about? I've never heard of this before. So she convinced me that that's what you're supposed to do so that you do not get pimples. Oh, my and of God. Course, teenage wow. me, I will not go against that. I don't want pimples, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I proceeded into rubbing half-bloodied underwear on my face and traumatized for life about it. And then she told me, to go on the top of the stair step and jump so that I don't have heavy periods. And so there's these like random things that I've never heard of before until like that moment. And so that was the story that I shared on Raised Panay. I know that you watched Raised Panay this past June and you mm. noticed a lot of it was very serious and sad and powerful. So just thinking about me saying that story, it was very different than what the typical <laughs> race to nice story was, but it was my story. And that's why I felt like I could have shared it because I realized that I was not alone. And I hope other listeners, if you guys have ever experienced this, please reach out to me so I don't feel yes. like- Yes, please like, comment where did it originate? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, did it work? <laughs> no. Yeah, did you it get did pimple? <laughs> of course. I did. Yes, of course I did. And I love that you mentioned that thing about not having, don't use tampons. And so that's also what my mom said, like, you can't use tampons. It's going to make you like not a virgin or any anymore, something like that. So these things things are real. I mean, there's a lot of things that prohibit us from really making life more comfortable. It was life changing, that experience. (laughs) That's traumatizing. (laughs) I laugh about it now because I'm thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, I'm totally going to get my future daughter to do this. <laughs> like initiation. For the initiation. <laughs> it's, oh my it's funny because JL, when I talked to her about this, because I asked people, like, you know, do you know the origin of this? Because I tried Googling it. I, I couldn't find any, like, something of substance. And she said, like, we shouldn't be doing things just to do it. We should really be finding out the reason reasoning mm. of why because there should be something sacred of the reason why your mom is asking you this and why she did it and why her grandma did it so I, I right. am very curious if anyone has actually heard of the origin but of did this, you never, this tradition did you never ask your mom why she wanted you, like later in life okay so when she watched the race and I she didn't know what story I was going to share 
And she was so embarrassed for me because when I mentioned the, the period story, she I was talking about her and our experience together. So she was uh-huh. super mortified. But she was like, Michelle, why did you say why did you say that? And I was like, Because it's true. You told me to put it on my page. And she was just, it was like a normal thing for her. There's so many Filipino traditions that are just, we don't question it. We just do it. Yeah. So that's just one of them. My mom would always tell me to not go to bed with my hair wet because otherwise I would go blind. Has that, has it, has your parents told you that? Totally. I've heard that. Uh, I've also heard that you can't vacuum at night because you're going to suck up all the good luck. Oh, yeah. There's so many little, and I don't know if it's just her making things up or I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I want to like research the origin of these things now too. Now <laughs> My period story is a lot more or a lot less exciting. <laughs> than I got mine when I was with my dad and he was out somewhere and I called him and I'm like, hey, I got my period. And he was just like, call your mom <laughs> and ask her. And yeah, that's what I did, but not, not anything real exciting. Only a movement of like really taking ownership of your period and being proud of your period and having like period boxes. Like when you first get your period, people give you presents. Like there's a whole movement of really being proud of your first step of being a a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's nice. When I got mine, I I had no preparation or no one kind yeah. of sat me down and told me that was going to happen, you know. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had to just figure out what was going on as it happened. Yeah, one thing I really loved about just being around you, Rochelle, and the other ladies at Raise Panay, and just the whole event itself was, to me, it really felt like it was about women empowerment. And it wasn't really mm-hmm. just the deep, tender, vulnerable, raw stories that everyone shared, but it was also like a celebration of our bodies. I loved that the number one raffle prize was a vibrator. <laughs> yes. Oh, was it? Yes. yes. A handless vibrator. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah. And it, it wasn't just like any vibrator you would like get on Amazon or, or a store or something. <laughs> it was like a high end, a hundred plus dollar vibrator. And um, <laughs> it was funny because I put most of my tickets in the raffle thing, but I didn't win it, unfortunately. <laughs> but either way, I just I just love that for Filipino women, um, Raise Panay is just that environment to celebrate all of you, your skin, your body, uh, your culture, your, you know, your traumas growing up. And it was very inspiring. And it's my hope in the future when we're, when I'm a little more settled in, in the East Coast here in Virginia Beach to potentially, you know, reach out uh, to you and the other ladies about possibly starting something over here. So I'm putting it out there in the universe, you know, yeah, to see if there's, put it out. Put it out. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone is in Virginia beach, that's listening to this, please reach out. Cause I would definitely love to bring that over here. Cause I, I just think it's so, it's just another way of sharing our stories. And that's one thing I noticed in the last month or so of doing these interviews is that there's just a ton of, all of us have the same goal, I feel like, and whatever we're creating for the Filipino community. And it's to just celebrate us and to uh, find healing in our own traumas growing up. So all beautiful stuff. Well, thank you, Rochelle, for giving us a 
a snapshot into your life. I love how involved you are with the community and really uplifting Filipina women voices and everything. We actually are now at my favorite part of the interview, although I've enjoyed this entire conversation so far. <laughs> the purpose of this project, you know, is one to celebrate the Filipino American woman's story and experience, but also to uh, have a collection of life lessons by the Filipino American woman. And so uh, for you, Rochelle, the big live lesson you wanted to share today is that the most powerful thing you can do is ask. And I'd love for you to elaborate on that and even share maybe a story or a milestone in your life that led you to that big life lesson that you live by. Yeah, I, I really live by that idea of how important it is to just ask. And people really take it for granted how powerful it is. So I've received a number of sponsorships, collaborations with other groups, free food <laughs> that comes <laughs> just from asking. It really is all about how you present uh, your mission, you know, your goal, and how excited and thankful you are to have that partnership with that person. I thrive in a room where I get to hear other people's stories and find ways to align each other's goals and just ask them. Everyone that I've known so far that in, in terms of, being, of interviewing them, everyone loves talking about themselves. <laughs> So if you just open it up and just ask a simple, open-ended question of, how did you get here? Tell me a little bit about your life story and why you chose to be in the position that you're in. People will just talk about what's important to them. And you pick those little details and see how you align it with what you're asking for. One way that this has led me to a huge professional development milestone was when I was negotiating my salary terms when I was getting mm. a new job. It was the transition period where I felt like I needed to leave my previous employer. And they were offering me a certain amount, which was fair for a nonprofit. But I also just explained how important education was for me and how my previous employer offered a $10,000 stipend to mm. use for courses. I asked if they could include that on top of my salary because they didn't offer education stipend. And mm. behold, they said yes. And it was because I asked. They just heard how important that was to me. They knew that I was an ideal candidate for that position. And if it was going to take this $10,000 bump, then it was worth it. And I was able to get that because I asked about it. So there's really no harm in asking for what you believe in and what you believe that you earn and deserve. Mm, well said. I, I think by default, at least in my own upbringing, I had just learned to accept things and <sighs> just kind of go with the flow. Even when I felt like someone was taking more from me than they were giving to me, I just dealt with it anyway, you know, because I, I just had this odd um, one. I didn't know I could ask for help. And then two, I felt like it was normal for people to take from me. And, and I saw this in my sister as well when she would tell me that she would negotiate her salary as well when she moved to New York. I was very, I was very shocked and impressed and in awe because oh. I, I really, I literally didn't know you could do that. And I think yeah. I don't have this, I don't have the stats on this, but I, I hear that, you know, the reason why men tend to make more than women is because women don't ask to have a higher salary or extra benefits or what have you. At the time, it wasn't in my own mind to ask. So for you to 
bring this up, it, it reminds me of what my sister did, as well as it reminds me like, it's okay to ask and I'm not going to get in trouble just for asking. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful message and it doesn't just affect you in your personal life, but it affects you in your professional life. And uh, kudos to you for, <laughs> yeah. you know, forgetting that. But there's also, it also teaches you about failure. It teaches you how to, to learn how to cope with saying no, with people saying no to your face. Mm. So it, there's also times where I've asked for salary bumps and I didn't get it. And it helped teach me how to cope with that in a safe and nurturing way versus telling myself that I don't deserve it. Um, mm. There are external factors that don't allow people to get salary raises. But again, it doesn't hurt to ask. And when you do ask for a raise, you're preparing, you have to prepare for it. You can't just say, oh, I, I deserve a raise because I, I've been here for five years. No, you, you really prepare and list out all your accomplishments and also potential, potential mm. to contribute to the organization and your company. And that's one of the things that I've learned that was different between male and female is males would present their salary raise request as this is what I can do for you. This is mm. what I, I can accomplish for this organization, not just talking about what they have done, but what they can do versus women who essentially just say what they have done in the past, mm. how they've contributed. So that, that's another different angle that we should also consider when we talk about um, asking about a raise. I think that's a good point because my husband, he's really, he's the one that we run a business together, but he was really the visionary and the person that funded our business. And every day he's always talking about what he will do for people or what he can do for people. Mm. And I love it. Sometimes I'm like, I won't see it. I won't believe it till I see it. Or like, <laughs> just like what you said, I would kind of think of my own credentials first and not think about my uh, potential. And if I feel like I didn't have that qualification, I would already disqualify myself. And so that's a really interesting thing to bring up is uh, maybe it's very common uh, for us to not sell ourselves <laughs> in, a, in a way, not in an awful way, but you know, like, yeah, be like, yeah, yeah this is, you, it's, it's hard. I think a lot of us struggle with selling our value. And even when we are put in that position, not having the education to articulate it, you know, to like, what do you say? Like, how do you, you know, even for myself, like I, prior to my husband, I, I, I've, I've never worked a full-time job. I'm so ashamed, but I I'm 31 and I've <laughs> never worked a full-time job, but I've been a business owner and I've been in sales for the majority of my adult life. But part of Incredible. why, well, thank you. Thank you. Part, part of why though, <laughs> I couldn't get a job or why I didn't want to get a job. And when I got fired from jobs is because when I would um, get jobs, I would constantly kind of, I feel like I was constantly facing myself in my inadequacy. I never felt like I was qualified for a job. So that's partly why, Ooh. like, I can't, I think I have this, like, I think I'm allergic to jobs because I feel like I just, I'm just not, yeah. Like some people are kind of like, oh, that's so cool. But no, no, you guys, you don't understand. Like, I'm afraid of jobs. I, I feel like, jo like in jobs, you're constantly having to prove yourself and then you're not getting paid what you're worth. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're building your own stuff, it's like, you know, the only person I can blame is myself. And for whatever reason, mm -hmm. I find more comfort in that than what other people think of me in the workplace. So mm -hmm. if I if I were to get into corporate America or get a job, 
I love those professional tips that you gave to learn how to articulate your worth and why you deserve a raise and everything. I, I think that's a really, just really, really good advice. And I appreciate hearing that. Nani, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I just, I mean, that is great advice. And I think that when there's something that you want to attain, whether it be professional, personal, whatever, that that really applies to not just the professional world. I think that when there's something that you really want and you don't know how to get it, you can be in your head so much about all the reasons why you shouldn't or all the reasons why you wouldn't. But once you just do it and just ask, with the proper preparation and everything, <laughs> have your facts straight and all of your information ready to go. But once you do that, even if the answer is no, it kind of just brings you back to reality. And if the answer was no, then it's kind of like you pinch yourself and you look around and you're like, oh, I'm still okay. I'm still alive. <laughs> I can mm -hmm. move on. You know, you can't ever reach that point unless you take that leap and do ask. I think that's really important to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when people reject you, it doesn't mean like you're still alive. You know, it's it's not like you're facing death when people <laughs> reject you. And I right. think, I think that's, know that yeah. until you experience it, you know, yeah. so before you take that leap of faith and just put yourself out there, you're going to live in that prison of just all the reasons that you're telling yourself it won't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is one awesome, powerful life lesson. Rochelle, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. I appreciate you sharing your story, your life in Long Island, your parents and their background and your involvement with so many things uh, over there in New York. Before we head out, do you have any closing thoughts for us? Yeah, and I feel like that you, you touched upon it earlier. Imposter syndrome is real. It is so real, and I experience it as a Filipino woman. I still struggle with it to this day of this dangerous idea, asking myself if I am good enough for a role or a salary bump, a promotion, to simply approach a certain leader. But then again, I think about the main point is it does not hurt to prepare and ask. I always try to challenge myself to understand that I do have a place in this world. I do have a, a role and a chance to make an impact. And while I am doing that, to the idea that I can feel fulfilled. So I will continue doing community work. I will continue doing Makilala and Raise Panay until I feel like that people can either take on the work without me or that I feel like that it's not fulfilling anymore. I really feel that imposter syndrome has taken its many forms, but Hopefully, if you build enough of a support system, you can encourage each other and other Filipinas that you do deserve to be where you are. Beautiful. I love how you say it doesn't hurt to ask, but more importantly, it doesn't hurt to prepare and then <laughs> yeah. ask. You know, because we could ask for anything we want. I, and I think that's part of the fear. Like, I think for myself, when I'm in situations where I'm afraid to ask a lot of times it's because I am unprepared, uh, whether it's to address my points or maybe I hadn't uh, surrounded myself with a loving community to have that confidence to ask. Uh, but I mm -hmm. think that is a very sound advice. And yeah, I agree. The imposter syndrome is extremely real. When I was on my hiatus with this project and I started to get back into it, 
that was the first thing I felt. How can I, like, can I get back into this project? How can I own the Filipino American woman? Like, you know, I, I had all these fears of like, do I have the knowledge, the expertise, the experience? D do I really embody what the Filipino American woman is to do this? And I thought of all those things. Uh, but at the same time, I thought somehow the universe gave me this domain name. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it gave me the Instagram username. It, ga it gave me all of these things for whatever reason. And one way that I have learned to kind of minimize the imposter syndrome is to just appreciate what is in front of me to be like, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but this opportunity is in front of me. These are the resources I have. And I think I'm meant to do something with it. So until someone takes it away from me or, you know, kind of like we said, until no one's interested or whatever, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I definitely can relate to that. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I think you're the first person to bring it up on the show so far, actually. Um, all right. Well, Rochelle, we've had such a pleasure speaking with you today and kind of bantering back and forth. For anyone that wants to reach out to you or learn more about the amazing projects that you're doing, uh, how can they get a hold of you? You could definitely follow us on social media. We are on all platforms. You could check us out on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram at Makilala TV or at Raised Panai. Awesome. All right, ladies. Nani, I want to thank you again for co-hosting with me. Do you have any closing thoughts? I just wanted to tell you, Rochelle, that I think it's really cool how you've been able to incorporate all the work that you do with your community or your community involvement into your professional development. That's really inspiring for someone like me who's kind of in a weird place with my professional development and trying to incorporate more creativity into my day-to-day. -day. It's really cool that you've found a way to do that and that you're enjoying it. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it really took a whole community to, to lead to where I am now. If it weren't for any of all the mentors, all the previous leaders, I would not be here. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. I, I've heard before that behind every successful person is a village of other people helping them be successful. So, well, ladies, I want to thank you so much for your time. For our listeners, for our live listeners, shout out to Crystal. Thank you so much for joining us and messaging me here on Instagram. She's been messaging me. So thank you so much to you and shout out to you. She also is giving a shout out to the DC area. So uh, maybe I will visit you, Crystal. So we'll be in touch. I already messaged you about it. For our listeners, if this show resonated with you in any way, you could actually visit our show notes to learn how you can leave a voice message or you can uh, email us. Uh, there's lots of ways to get a hold of us on Instagram as well. Rochelle, Nani, thank you so, so much again for your time. And I look forward to chatting with all of you and our listeners in the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Great. Bye. And there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you'd like to hear more stories and life lessons told by the Filipino American woman. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact us at thefilipinoamericanwoman at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thefilipinoamericanwoman. Until next time.